Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Vanguard Church. Um, My name is Pastor Micah. I'm the student pastor here, um, and I'm really excited to be able to be with you here this morning. Um, We get to continue in our series, Worth the Wait. I've been really enjoying this series so far. We've talked about the promises of God, that God's promises are good, that they're true, that they're going to come true. Um, We've talked about how the process of those promises coming about is not always what we expect, but we can trust that process, trust that God's plan is going to happen and that his plan is better than ours. We've also gotten to talk about the prophecies of Jesus that Jesus fulfilled and how Jesus fulfilled them in a way that was so much greater than we could ever hope or imagine. The question that we're going to be asking today is, what are you waiting for? So we've looked at these stories of Abraham um, and what he was waiting for. Now we're going to move on to what are you waiting for? So as Christians today, what are we waiting for? Go ahead and pull out your Bibles or your programs or apps and turn to Revelation. We're going to be starting in Revelation 19, verses 6 through 8. This is the disciple John talking about a vision that he saw. And he said, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Church, this is what we get to wait for. We get to wait for the coming of Jesus. See, Jesus has come once, and it was far greater than we could have ever imagined. Now we get to wait for Jesus' second coming, the marriage, when we finally get to be with Jesus. Go ahead and flip over to Revelation 21, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 5. And we get to see a little bit more of what this marriage with Jesus looks like. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and he will, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Now, the question that I want to ask you guys today is why is it important for us to know what is coming? We talked about all of the prophecies in the Old Testament leading to Jesus and the Messiah, Now, I want to highlight just a couple quick facts um, that 
Pastor Fike found about the prophecies in the New Testament concerning the end of days or the day of the Lord. There's over 300 references in the New Testament about the return of Christ in the end time. 216 chapters out of 260 reference the day of the Lord and Christ's return. 23 out of 27 of the New Testament books have something to say about it. Um, the second coming has more references than the first coming by a ratio of eight to one. And there's over 1,800 different references um, to the second coming total. So if the Bible really highlights Jesus' first coming, but highlights Jesus' second coming eight times more, it's really important for us to dwell on this and to think about what are we waiting for with what Jesus is doing. I want you guys to look at Revelation 21, 3, one more time. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take out your pens, underline this, highlight this, write it in your program. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne, so God's voice saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is God's ultimate goal for his people. This is what he is working towards and this is what is ultimately going to happen. God will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. See, we see in, Gen in Genesis 1, the purpose that God created humanity for was to be an intimate, deep relationship with him. In Genesis 3, we saw that Adam was supposed to be walking in the garden intimately, personally, with real relationship with Jesus. But because of the fall, because Adam and Eve chose to live their own life and put themselves in God's place, it caused a rift between humanity and God. We were eternally separated from him. The beautiful thing is that God is going to restore it. He says, I will dwell with them they will be my people and I will be their God. There's no greater news than that. So what are you waiting for? Number one, you are waiting for what God is preparing for you. We get to wait for what God is preparing for us. John 14, one through three says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that you may be where I am. Jesus himself is going to prepare a place for us. God is preparing for us to eternally be with him. We get to see the restoration of what God created all things to be. Revelation, again in 21, says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. For me, the last couple of years have been really hard. There's been lots of mourning, lots of crying, lots of death. And that's the reality of sin in our lives. Just over a year ago, I lost my brother-in-law in an accident and walking through losing a loved one is incredibly hard. And I struggled and wrestled and I was like, God, why is there so much pain? If you truly love us, 
Why would this 17-year-old boy lose his life when he had so much life ahead of him? And wrestling with that pain and that hurt is one of the hardest things I've done in my life. But what Jesus promises us is there will be a time when there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, that all things will be restored to the way they should be, that we will get to live in perfect relationship with Jesus and with each other. I love my wife deeply, but I would not say that we're in perfect relationship all the time. There's always struggles and tensions that we're walking through. And then we just had our first daughter um, four months ago now, and I love my daughter. But that causes conflict in my marriage. All right, who's going to get up and change the diaper this time? We struggle with these tensions of we want healthy relationship. When my wife and I are in good, healthy relationship, it's the happiest times of my life. I'm joyful. I feel complete and full. And Jesus gave us this image of marriage for what our relationship with him should be. And sin has separated that. But the wedding is coming when we will be in perfect relationship with Jesus. It'll be like if you and your spouse are always in perfect relationship, that moment that you're always on the same page and happy and joyful and looking forward to what you have together, that's what we get to look forward to, to eternally being in that state. That's what God is preparing for us. But the problem is right now, our relationship with God has been severed. So if this is what God has for us, how can we get to this place? What can we do to get back into this relationship with Jesus? Go ahead and look at Revelation 20, 11, and 12. John says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no standing was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. We see these two different books here. We have the books of the deeds of the dead, and we have the book of life. When Jesus comes back, he's going to judge the living and the dead. For those whose name is written in the book of life, Jesus will look at them and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and enter into the joy of your master. What we don't get, I think, is that if your book is, in the is written in the book of life, if your name is written in the book of life, there's nothing that you have to do to receive this blessing that Jesus has for us. He says there will be no mourning, no tears, no death, no pain, no suffering. And Jesus paid that price for us. The reason that Christmas is so incredible to celebrate is because Jesus is born 100% man, 100% God. He lives a perfect life that we could never live. And he pays the price of our sins on the cross. He dies so that we might live. But then three days later, he conquers sin in the grave so that we can also conquer it and live in eternal relationship with Jesus. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we celebrate Christmas because Jesus came for us. What we get to look forward to is what God is preparing for us. 
It's not what we're doing for God. It's what God's preparing for us to receive. We don't have to worry about being judged by our own actions because we'd never measure up. Our names are written in the book of life. We get to look forward to what Jesus is preparing for us for bringing all things new and restoring us to relationship. As a Christian growing up, I often wrestled with this question. I was like, all right, great. Well, is it just like that saying that life sucks and then you die then and then once you're dead and heaven comes and you get to be with Jesus, it's all great? Because life feels kind of hard right now and if that promise is just out there in the future, do I just have to wait my entire life for this good thing to come? Look at John seventeen three with me really quickly. Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that you, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. Knowing Jesus, knowing God the Father, being in relationship with the triune God. This is eternal life. So that eternal life that we're promised, that we're waiting for, we also get to receive now. We get to hold on to it with hopeful expectation. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life abundant this is another promise that we get to wait for, that we get to hold on to, that Jesus gives us abundant life, that we get to live and walk in eternal life now. We're not just waiting for the new heaven and the new earth. While we are, we get to hold on to these promises now. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We don't have to be the old person that we were. We were made new. So what are you waiting for? Point number two, you are waiting for what God is preparing in you. We're waiting for what God's preparing for us and we're waiting for what God is preparing in us now. He's making us new creations. Ephesians 1.13 says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that can break that seal. There's this really fancy word in Christianese called sanctification. And growing up, I was like, wow, sanctification's great. And then my friend would be like, what's sanctification? I don't know. It's being made new through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We get to become more and more like Jesus. So what we get to wait for and hope for right now is a life of joy. Look at Galatians 5, through 23. Paul says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I don't know about you guys, but those are traits that I desire to have in my life. Some of the moments that those are the most absent is when I'm driving. My wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, you're a pretty loving person normally, but once you get behind the wheel and that person's driving slowly in front of you, you just lose all of your patience. But God is making us new. As I'm driving, that's the place where my frustrations come out the most. But when I slow down and I say, I'm not in a hurry to get where I need to be, 
and God's actually giving me more time to spend with him in the car, I can spend more time in prayer and worship, then I start to feel that love, that joy, that peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control. When I experience those in my life, I feel fulfilled. I feel like I have a purpose. We all desire to be loved because that's how God created us. But without the Holy Spirit, we're never gonna truly feel loved. We're never gonna truly be able to love others. But what we get to hope for and what we get to wait for is that Jesus is making us new. In Ezekiel 36, he promises that he will take our heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. And that's one thing that I've been wrestling with God with a lot is, God, I want to love you, but I don't feel it right now. So I want to want to love you because right now I don't. God, will you give me a clean heart, a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone to love you? I was actually wrestling with God with this this week and I kept stumbling into some habitual sin and just wrestling with these temptations and saying, God, I want to love you. And this Sunday, I'm gonna be telling people that you're creating a new heart in us to love you better, that you're making us new creations, but that doesn't feel true for me right now. And I was wrestling with that and I just heard God say to me, Micah, it's like you're standing out in the cold and in the dark and I've made this warm fire from you, for you and it's here waiting for you. But instead of coming to the fire to get warm, you're just standing out in the cold. Come to me and I will make you new. Come to the fire and I will warm you. I am the light of the world. We keep waiting for this heart of flesh and Jesus says, come to me, you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. If we wanna become more like Jesus to fully experience being made in a new creation, to fully experience what God is preparing in us, we need to come to Jesus, to fall at his feet, just to gaze upon him and fall deeper in love with Jesus. Ephesians says, for the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God not as a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is what God desires for us. He saved us by grace through our faith in him, that if we put our faith in Jesus, we get to experience what God is preparing for us, that new heaven, that new earth, no more pain or suffering. Because of our faith in Jesus, we get to experience this new life that he's preparing in us right now. But there's something else to it too. See, the best things in my life, I've had to wait a long time for. The two that come to mind are when I got married to my wife and when my child was born. Both of those were long processes that I was waiting eagerly and so excitedly for. I knew the best things were coming, but I had to wait. I was waiting for my wedding with my wife and I was waiting for the birth of my child. But if you've experienced either of those things or like high school graduation, you're waiting to graduate, but there's things that God has called us to do in the middle, in the process of our waiting. When I got married, we had to plan a wedding. We got married in, during COVID. So we planned a wedding and then we replanned a wedding and then laws changed and we replanned a wedding. And after like three times, we're like, all right, this is going to be our wedding plans. If anything else changes, we're not gonna mess with it anymore. This will be our wedding. 
So we had to plan our wedding almost three times. When I was waiting for the birth of my child, my wife said, all right, the nursery has to be done now. We're doing it today. All right. So we've prepared our nursery for our child. In high school, while I was waiting to graduate, I had to take all of the classes, all of the courses, same with college. There's things that God is calling us to do in our waiting. Ephesians says, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for you beforehand. So what are you waiting for? Point number three, what you are preparing for God. So in the midst of our waiting, we're called to action. We're called to prepare things for Jesus. Jesus says, you are my bride. This is going to be the wedding between the church and the lamb. If we're preparing for a wedding, God wants his bride to be ready for him. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is calling us to prepare his bride for him. We're going to have three points in this to help us to see how do we actually practically do that daily. Point number A is going to be live on mission. This verb for go is from a word that means to go, walk, travel, or live. So as you're going, as you're walking, as you're traveling, as you're living, make disciples of all nations. If this is the truth that we get to enjoy Jesus's presence forever with no tears, pain, crying, death, we want everyone to be a part of that. We want all tongues, tribes, and nations to bow down before Jesus and say, I get to be in relationship with Jesus. We need to be living on mission, intentionally making disciples for Jesus so that when he comes back, his bride is ready. Matthew 24, 14 talks about how Jesus will come back after every tongue, tribe, and nation confess. So if we want Jesus to come back and to restore all things to the way they should be, we need to make sure that all nations are following before Jesus in worship. And like that verb says, as you go, as you walk, as you travel, as you live, we're called to make disciples. We need to be intentional about the way we live. If we have the fruit of the spirit living inside of us, that love, joy, peace, patience, people need that in their lives. And we have the opportunity to share that with them, to say, I know what brings peace. I know what brings joy. I know what brings hope. His name is Jesus. That's what we need in our lives. And Jesus promises it for us. So we need to live on mission and be intentional with the way we're living and with sharing the gospel so that everyone can experience that. First Peter 4, 7 says, the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things. So what's most important at the end of all things? Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Jesus, when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? He says, love God with all your soul, strength, and might, and love others. All of the law and prophets depend on these. We're called to love God and love others. At the end of the matter, above all, 
keep loving one another earnestly. John 13, 34 through 35 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So point B for how do we prepare God's bride for him is love each other. We're called to love each other deeply. By this, we'll know. They'll know that we're disciples of God. See, we can say, as James says, to the person standing out in the cold, go and be warmed or go and be fed. But without doing anything, we're not actually helping them. Loving them deeply is saying, here is an extra coat. Here is a meal for you today. We're called to love deeply. 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a really good idea of what love looks like. In students, we actually spent three months just in this chapter alone. We would spend one sermon on love is patient. The next one we would spend on love is kind. And I learned so much about what God's love for us looks like and how we can love others through looking at that chapter. If you guys haven't read through that, I would highly encourage you to spend some time just sitting in it and saying, if it's the most important thing to love God and love others, I need to be really good at loving if love is patient, if God's love for me is patient, how can my love for others be patient? How can I love God patiently? And diving into what does real love look like? Society is going to try to tell us that loving is just accepting whatever people think is best for them. But if my daughter started to walk out in front, like just out into the middle of the road, it wouldn't be loving for me to say, do whatever you think is right for you. No, it'd be loving for me to run out there to grab her and take her back to a safe place, to warn her of the dangers that are coming. If we truly, truly want to love people well, there's going to be hard conversations that involve the truth in love and saying, because I love you deeply, the truth is Jesus died for your sins. His way of living is purposeful, intentional, and what's best for you. Because he created you, he knows what's best for you. And being able to reach people in their brokenness and saying that Jesus is the answer is the most loving thing that we can do. First Peter 4 continues and says, as each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We each receive gifts from God that we're called to use and steward wisely. Point number C is going to be leave a legacy. As we live on mission and love each other well, we're going to be leaving a legacy for Jesus. As we use the gifts that God has given us to serve each other and to serve the body, we're going to be leaving a legacy. People are going to say, that person loved Jesus. That person has something that I don't quite understand, but I want. And we get to leave a legacy in every area of our life. As we enter a room and are living on mission and loving each other well, as you leave, people are going to say, there's something special about that person. I felt loved and seen by that person. And we get to leave a legacy in all of the lives that we come into. And that's what God is calling us to. We need to live on mission. We need to love each other well. And we need to leave a legacy to prepare God's bride for him. So while we're waiting and hoping for God to make all things new, we also get to live in that now 
Eternal life begins now as we know Jesus. He is making you a new creation. It's a lifelong process, but you are made new as soon as you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And he will slowly make you into the person that you were made to be. And that is where life abundantly is found. And get to live in that. So now the question is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? There's going to be those hard moments that we're walking through and saying, God, I just don't understand your promises, these prophecies that are coming. I don't understand your process in this. But we get to wait that Jesus is going to make all things new, that he's going to bring us back into a restored relationship with him. We get to wait for the work that God is doing in us to make us more like Jesus. And while we're waiting, he calls us to prepare his bride for him. If you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, what are you waiting for? Jesus has already paid the price and wants you in real relationship with him. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you did what you did for your love for me and that I get to be in restored relationship with you. You've paid the price so I can be in relationship with you. If you have any questions about that, any of our church leadership would love to talk to you guys. We're going to have a response time coming up and you can come up to the prayer team. You can ask questions. You can ask to be prayed for. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what are you waiting for? We don't need to just wait for the future heaven and future earth to come in our relationship with Jesus to be restored. We get to live on mission for him. We get to love each other and we get to leave a legacy. What does that look like for you guys in your daily life? What are you waiting for? We're offered eternal life and relationship with Jesus. We're going to go ahead and move into a time of communion now um, where we get to reflect on the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. Um, And just remember that he broke his body and spilt his blood so that we could be in eternal relationship with him. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to move into that time. Jesus, we are so thankful that you saw our brokenness, the hurts and the pains in this world, and that you said that you love us too much to let us stay in the midst of that pain and suffering. Jesus, we thank you that you came as a baby to live a perfect life, to die a brutal death so that we could be in relationship with you. That doesn't make sense to us, Jesus, but you loved us so much that you wouldn't let us stay in our suffering, that you provided a way for us to be in restored relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are preparing for us the restoration of all things, that we will be in restored relationship with you, that all of creation will proclaim your glory, and that we will get to live intimately with you as you as our God and us as your people. God, thank you that you're preparing in us already, that you're making us new creations so that we can live for you, that you're making us new, that you're giving us love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control. Jesus, would you help us to prepare your bride for you, to bring as many people as we can along with us to enter into your joy, into the marriage of the church and the lamb, Jesus, we love you, we're so thankful, and we are waiting for you. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray, amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.